This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Billy Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, I have no proof, but I believe that Chuck Taylor had a major role in the New York Giants' first ever NFL championship. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr., All right, it's late Tuesday night. I'm prepared. My voice is trash. Okay, look, I had to do a lot of singing over the weekend, so you're going to have to forgive me. So if I squeak or crack or something like that, look, just blame it on the chords, man. Blame it on the chords. Thank you for joining me today, NFL historians and lovers of sports history. Welcome in. This show is for you guys and gals. It's cool if you already know this stuff. Congratulations. Cookies for everybody. But there's always someone else who does not at this show. It's for those who don't know as much about NFL history. So we are here to enlighten, teach, and learn. This is the Behind the Mic Podcast. I'm your host, the uh, horse-voiced Michael Neal Jr. And this show is presented by Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Man, I need some tea. BellyUpSports.com. Go to it. Click on it. Read the stories, the articles. Listen to all of our Belly Up Sports content. You'll enjoy my show as well as others. They got what you need. Pick a sport. They have it. Um, just listen, all right, read. You catch us on our home base of Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. All of the favorites. So, all right, without any further ado, as the music dies down, let's go right into it. The Rundown. Week 14, Thursday Night Football. Look, my only question, first of all, Raiders at the Rams, okay? They had that game won. It was supposed to be sold up. It was 16-3. to how much trouble was Raiders head coach Josh McDaniels in? You know, I mean, how how much trouble is he in now? I mean, hot seat. You know, I mean, you got beat by a quarterback that had been with their team two days. Baker Mayfield, put my phone down. I got it. yes, yes. Give it up for Baker Mayfield. Hey, good job. And he put together 
not only, you know, that last final drive, the drive part three, I call it. It was no championship, just a regular season game. But they came back and they won that game. You know, he throws the game with a touchdown pass. He has better numbers. I think he was 230 yards and, and has the touchdown. He played better than Derek Carr. And, I mean, it didn't help that Josh Jacobs, you know, that one hand, it just was – it was killing him. You could tell uh, he was not coming out of that game. Devontae Adams, only three catches on the night. I mean, the Rams defense held it together. No Aaron Donald. Um, but they, they did it. They put it together. Pretty good coaching there by Sean McVay. Have to give it to him. Yes, he's a lot better than John Wolford. I'm just, just, just saying. But, you know, with the Raiders, all of their losses, one possession losses this season. Week one against the Chargers. Lost by five. Week two against the Cardinals. Lost by six. Week three against the Titans. Lost by two. Week five against the Chiefs. Lost by one. Jaguars in week nine. Seven. Week 10 against the Colts. They lost by five. And then the Rams, they lost by a point. They, they can't keep doing this. But, I mean, they're close. I'm not going to give up on them. They're close. And, but they have to put it. Oh, they got to get over the top, man. You know, something has to break here. I mean, it's McDaniel's first year. And I know we like to put people in the microwave, hit 30 seconds, and bing, you know, it's it's ready to go, and the championship is supposed to come out smoking. That it just doesn't happen. Sunday, early slate, Jags at the Titans. All right, what's the saying? When it rains, it pours. Tennessee, they're up here at home, 14-7 by the end of the first quarter. And then Jacksonville presented to, proceeded excuse me, to score the next 29 points to win, what, 36-22? If you had Trevor Lawrence in fantasy, hopefully you won. Uh, 368 yards, three touchdown passes, and a rushing touchdown. Pretty good. And those Titans fans, they were leaving the game early. I had a lot to do on Sunday, and we decided to go to this pizza place, and it's pretty good. It's called Boombox. It's over in East Nashville, which is right over there near the stadium. And we're heading there, and it's like the, the third quarter has ended, and they're already leaving in droves, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens that's fandom for you and speaking of the titans derrick henry we know what the whole thing is he had 100 yards rushing but it was all for not derrick henry it looked like he was going to run for about 400 yards on sunday he had 96 by the end of the first quarter 119 by the end of the half after that two yards moving on all right uh one of my buddies his name is norvell uh him and his son went to the Ravens game at Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh and he said it's the most one of the most amazing stadiums he's ever been in I mean I gotta give it up to the Steelers and they took care of business uh in the stadium on the field was an entirely different situation as my boy Norvell and his son took in the game rain uh wearing Ravens gear quarterbacks go down left and right seemingly on Sunday and some came back and others did not Kenny Pickett was one of them he goes out with a concussion and then later Tyler Huntley goes down and then they bring in Anthony Brown and the Ravens still get the win with a third stringer Huntler Huntley boy that looked like a savage hit he took man I ain't never seen somebody bend like that in a while but Pickett he hadn't thrown an interception in what four games and then his replacement Mr. Trubisky he tosses three I'll make up for it I got you yeah golly you got to do better Jets at the Bills speaking of quarterback injuries like I said, some went out a lot, and they came back. Mike White twice left the game. He came back. You know, The defense, uh, that's their job, is to get to the quarterback. You know, you take the head off the offense, and the rest should fall, Pittsburgh. 
But anyway, um, you got to get to the quarterback. There's no more Von Miller. All right, the Bills got four, uh, you know, what, four sacks, and they had two turnovers. They got forced two turnovers, and the offense took care of the rest. There were ten straight punts in that game at one point. Good. God, the Jets, they have lost four of their last six games and it's not looking good for Robert Sala and his squad. I mean, with Brees Hall, I think he is needed um, and they definitely have to get better quarterback play. But I mean, I still believe that this team is trending upward. I know that's hard, New York. Just, just you know, keep your shirt on. All right. It's, it's, it's not the end of the world. I know you're Jets fans. I, I know that's tough, but I, I think next year will be a whole lot better. Let's see what happens. Browns at the Bengals. This will be quick. The ESPN headline was Burrow Bengals top the Browns 23 to 10 for their fifth straight win, which was Joe Burrow's first victory against the Cleveland Browns in five tries. Texans at the Cowboys. The most dangerous teams are the ones with nothing else to lose except another game. That was the Houston Texans on Sunday, and they almost pulled it off. They went up 23 to 20. And, you know, they lost. <laughs> All I have to say, though, there's one reason. We talked about this briefly during uh, at, at work. We always talk sports at work. You know, if you listen to this show, you probably talk sports at work. At least you should. Um, Cowboys won't make the Super Bowl uh, for one reason and one reason only. Now, the D is great. The running game is great. Dak Prescott may be the only thing that will hold the Cowboys back. And the guy is good. That's just He's good, but it's his decision-making at times. I, I don't want to say he's trying too hard. Sometimes he just makes bad decisions throwing the football. And, uh, you know, he's got to do better. He has to be more, more, a whole lot more um, consistent is the word, okay? And, and, all right, I'm going to throw out an old movie or even the story. Anybody heard of Excalibur? Have you ever seen the old movie from the late 1980s? Some of you guys who are 40-somethings, you probably know what I'm talking about. I'll explain it like this. So King Arthur, he pulls the sword from the stone. Yeah, that story. To become king, the sorcerer Merlin basically tells him, and I'm going to quote, you will be the land and the land will be you. If you fail, the land will perish. As you thrive, the land will blossom. That's Dak, okay? If he pulls the, he pulled the sword from the stone when... <laughs> Tony Romo went down hurt and he became king. And as this guy goes, so goes this team as well as this office. They built a great defense. They have also, um, they, they have some offensive pieces around them. And they're finally running the football with that two-headed uh, monster with, and I have to put, I still have to put Zeke Elliott first. And then I could put Pollard second, but Pollard, he, he's, he's the more shifty guy and more exciting guy to watch. But Zeke still has his thing. He still does his thing. Okay? It, it's, it's not that hard to figure out. They're running the football. They do well. But Dak has to play better and actually be uh, out, you know, more consistent. You know, it's great. So, you know, they had that 98-yard game-winning drive at the end. But I like to see you put a beat down on a 1-10 and 10 team. 1-10 and 1 team. Now, the defense, you know, they gave them some points too. But it doesn't help when your quarterback throws two interceptions. That's not going to cut it in the playoffs. Fix it or you'll be at home on the playoff couch, okay? By the way, I had no idea Jeff Driscoll, University of Florida, was still in the league. Vikings at the Lions. When I looked at this game on Thursday afternoon, last Thursday afternoon, the Lions were a two-point favorite. And I'm wondering why. And they beat the Vikings by 11 points. The, 
The Lions are real. Jared Goff is real. And Dan Campbell has those guys literally biting people's ankles. And they're winning games. Uh, they started off 1-6, and six, and they have gone 5-1 since. And it's Jared Goff, you know, he did his thing. But on the other side, yes, Kirk Cousins had a 425-yard passing game. Yes, Justin Jefferson had an 11-catch, 223-yard day, but he kept him out of the end zone. So last week we were talking about players forcing their for, uh, facing their former teams. And uh, the former line tight end, TJ Hawkinson, he had a decent game, but no W for you. Eagles at the Giants, blowout city. I think the New York Giants are in trouble. They start the season 6-1. and one. Over the past five games, this is their record. One, four, and one. Not good. Philly came to East Rutherford and gave the Giants the beats 48-22. Wasn't a game at all. The Eagles will coast to the NFC East title and the number one overall seed in the NFC. And I believe that Jalen Hurts will win NFL MVP. Uh, okay, so like I said, I had to correct, uh, correct an oversight by myself, okay? I keep forgetting that. A.J. Brown had 1,000 yards as a rookie, right, and I'm going to keep pushing this. I made a mistake, and it was an oversight by me. I've seen it and knew it, but I did not speak it. I said he had only had one 1,000 yards. This is his third one, okay? Third time in his career he's crossed over 1,000 yards as of Sunday. Oh, and the defense wasn't too bad either. Seven sacks. Ooh, fixed offensive line. Afternoon slate, Chiefs at Broncos. The story of this game was not that Patrick Mahomes never lost to the Broncos, that the uh, Chiefs nearly blew a 20-point lead. And also that Mahomes threw three interceptions. And even not that Russell Wilson was knocked out of the game with a concussion. No, the story was that I picked up Jared McKinnon, you know, the slash running back receiver for the Chiefs. You know, emergency purposes, I needed someone in fantasy. I had too many draft picks. This is a mistake that I made that were going to all be at four guys off at the same time. And I had no receivers left no backs left rather and i had to pick somebody up and he was the first one i thought about and i should have stuck with him instead i chose I, I flipped him out even though i picked him up you know from the free agent pool put him back in the free agent pool for raheem Mostert, who had all of five points mckinnon had 32 points on sunday <sighs> hmm. buccaneers at the 49ers i believe that chris berman Said it best on his fastest three minutes halftime, you know, uh, of the uh, Monday Night Football. Tom Brady was making his 376th career start. Brock Purdy was making his first. And Brock plays Purdy good. I got that from Berman, too. He did. They beat Tampa Bay 35-7. Did not expect that. Did not expect that. But then, too, yeah, that 49ers defense is nasty. Very, very nasty. And I think they picked Brady off twice and he was always in his mug. You know, he's he's a, he was a 49ers fan growing up. He was at the 1981 NFC Championship game, the catch made by Dwight Clark, you know, the pass from Joe Montana, you know, the whole bit. Uh, but he got a, a not-so-warm welcome into that field on Sunday. And, wow, I mean, I'm guessing, you know, it could have been worse. <laughs> no, no, not really, not really. Uh, speaking of Brady... Um, they couldn't generate any offense. They couldn't. 55 passes and only one touchdown. All right. They can't run the ball still. That's a problem. They got to fix it. Wolf. Panthers at Seahawks. Steve Wilkes took over a 1-4 team. They traded away McCaffrey to the 49ers. They've been 4-4 four and four since. Uh, and <laughs> we know they're not the best team, but they play hard. Yeah, the Panthers could possibly win the NFC South. 
you saw the Tampa Bay just can't hold on to it. Now they're what six and seven. Now they went to seven and six after beating the Saints last week. I mean, all these under five hundred teams, and now they're back under five hundred along with everybody else in the NFC South. Um, it, it's just it's it's kind of crazy, but you know, it's, it's what made the worst team with the best record that they possibly could muster win, right? The Seahawks on the other side, I think what hurt them is Kenneth Walker III. He's been hurt. Now, as of right now, and I, I have him on two of my fantasy teams, by the way, and it's Tuesday, Walker's ankle is feeling better, and he's been upgraded from, you know, from questionable to healthy. We'll see what happens come Sunday. Geno Smith needs that running game to help out that balance with the past. Sunday night football, Dolphins at Chargers. How about this? The Chargers have most of their offensive pieces back in place yeah especially you know mike mike williams and kenan allen just for starters but the defense is still riding the struggle bus they're just miss, missing too many people uh but they're putting together you know the best that they can the offense is going to have to carry that team um they they took care of the dolphins on sunday night football Tua didn't look great against San Francisco last week they were 0-7 on third down last weekend and he was bad on Sunday night, just 10 of 28. Tyreek Hill, that's a little scary. Um, he had the ice pack on his left leg. I don't know if it was ankle or his shin or whatever. I still don't know. And then you know, it seemed like Jalen Waddle would just disappear. Um, this isn't exactly a dominating defense, but, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's not looking good right now. Just going through a rough patch maybe, or maybe – defenses are starting to figure it out two was going to have to get it together and so that offense could continue the way that they were uh you know a couple weeks ago that's two straight losses and they got to go to buffalo this week Woo-wee. monday night football if you didn't watch last night you know it was two stories patriots at the cardinals arizona Kyler murray he injures the knee on the second play of the, or excuse me the third play of the game uh you know not great it's probably done New England, their defense, six sacks, a scoop and score, and an interception. So, for fantasy owners, what, they had like 22 points last night? It's pretty good (laughs) for defense. The Patriots outscored Arizona 17-zip in the second half. Mac Jones, he's waving off the guy with the pencil in his ear, Matt Patricia. The defensive guy that's trying to call offensive plays, just not working out. You know, still ain't. Even after that win, still not. You're throwing a bunch of screens, and the running game, you know, actually was the X factor for New England because Mac Jones did not throw a, a touchdown pass last night. He had an interception, tip drill, I think it was. Uh, but he had an interception yesterday, okay? Um, and and the, the fact that Ramondre Stevenson went down hurt after just three carries and eight yards, that didn't help either. The running game was sucking last week. This week, it kind of saved their bacon a little bit. And they had the the rookies, Pierre Strong Jr. and Kevin Harris. They combined the rush for 96 yards and two scores. So, you know, they got the job done. I haven't watched one second, not one iota of the in-season hard knocks with the Arizona Cardinals. But my man Cliff Kingsbury, you can just see it on his face. He doesn't even look good anymore. He looks like he's just worn out. He's, you know, remember the draft when he's got his legs up? And he's got his hands behind his head in that nice Arizona home with the fireplace, I guess it was. And all the glass to open looked like something out of a movie by the ocean or whatever it was. But uh, it, it just it just looked, it, it looked so great. He, he just looks so stressed right now. And look, you just lost 
your your former head football coach too. I'm sure that was on his mind. Mike Leach, I still can't believe it, man. The man passed away. Mississippi State's head coach, of course, he coached Washington State. Also, he coached the Texas Tech Red Raiders for years. And Kingsbury was one of those fun and gun, run and gun, run and shoot offensive, you know, gurus. It, it, that was his quarterback when we some of those teams. And I'm sure that was on his mind. But look, this guy's got enough problems in a lot of his mind as a professional football coach. Uh, he could be on the chopping block. I don't know. Coming up next, how basketball won an NFL championship. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. We'll explain. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Uh, in preparing for this show, I just found that there were some very interesting NFL championship games from 1932 to 1934. And it just makes me want to read about them even more. And this one in particular that uh, we're going to really focus in on today, it just, I, there was more to it. And there's always more to it when you read and, and you study and look at multiple sources um it, it teaches you something that's why i love doing this show but you know back in 1932 there was an eight team league back then uh and you know eight team nfl can you imagine that right now you, know, you had the um the, the the originals a lot of the originals like the chicago cardinals the chicago bears the packers and the giants then you had the boston braves who would eventually be the washington football team the brooklyn dodgers not the baseball team the football team the staten island stapletons and the portsmouth spartans who became the detroit lions eventually all right so and speaking of the spartans um they faced off in the 32 championship against the chicago bears and that game we've referred to this several times it pretty much changed the passing game forever in the NFL, and uh, it was a great thing. It was the Bronco Nagurski to Red Game Range touchdown that was challenged by the head coach of the Spartans, Patsy Clark. It was supposed to be um, five yards. Um, you had to have five yards between you and the line of scrimmage before you threw the football, 
and he was challenging that Nagurski was over that when he threw the touchdown that pretty much broke a 0-0 tie um, to the game and it ended up with a 9-0 Chicago Bears victory but it led to basically being able to throw the football going into the next season from anywhere behind the line of scrimmage as long as you're behind the line of scrimmage you know and it was also the first indoor uh, NFL game it was played at Chicago Stadium you know it was home of the Chicago Blackhawks where there I read uh, and I forgot about reading in my, one of my great books how there was manure around and it just made a lot of players physically ill and sick to their stomach. But fast forward to 1933, you know, like I said, the four pass was legal from anywhere behind the line of scrimmage and that led up to a pretty good championship game at Wrigley Field and it was the first official NFL championship game because before that it was decided in the regular season the team with the best record at the end of the regular season they were the champ okay but in this game in the 33 championship game uh it was divisions you had the best from the east which was the New York Giants at 11 and 3 the best from the west was again the Chicago Bears they were 10 2 and 1 okay so you got two of the champ- divisional champions meeting and Chicago won the game 23 to 21 um and Papa Bear George Hallis he was uh he was back now the year before he had a man by the name of Ralph Jones who was on his staff who ended up uh going and being the head coach of the team around 1930 Hallis actually had took a back seat and was, was just going to be the owner he retired from being a player and just said okay I'm not going to coach anything I'm just going to be the owner and because of the Great Depression, he ended up being forced back into court coaching, which I believe he wanted to do that anyway. Uh, and it also saved him some money because of the Depression. And Ralph Jones, you know, I, I got this. Let me get this there with him. So you know, not only was he the sole owner, but he also was the head coach again. They won that game. Uh, and it was a game of passing and laterals, especially from the Giants. They, they threw for well over 200 yards in the game, which was a feat. Uh, and at the last, pretty much the game winner was a Bill Hewitt lateral after he caught a pass uh, to Billy Carr, 19 yards, took it to the end zone, and that was the game winner. And it basically was where um, in, in the newspapers it talked about how the forward pass made the game so much more exciting. And it also noted how college at the time, remember, college was more popular than pro football. They didn't want to change their rules as far as passing. It was three yards in a cloud of dust. All right, we get it. But passing actually woke things up in fans that they had never seen before. So, then uh, that win was preserved. It was a desperation pass at the end of that game. Who was it? Uh, New York Giants running back Dale Burnett uh, to Red Grange. And, you know, they stopped him at the five-yard line. Boom, bang, pow. And the game was then over. And this game was actually played with a lot of Hall of Famers. Um, you had Bronco Nagurski, um, Betty Feathers, um, Jack Manders, Bill, Bill Hewitt, and Joe Kopcher. And the New York Giants, they had Hall of Famers like Mel Hine and Ken Strong. And also a pretty good guy uh, on the field was Harry Newman. So it, it was uh, one of those games that it would, be, it would be followed by something even more interesting. Okay. 1934. Okay, now I may be a little bit all over the place with my notes, but 1934, the Bears, they won the West again. This time, they're 13-0. Unblemished record. In the East, the New York Giants, 
They were eight and five. The Bears were riding an 18-game winning streak. And this game, this championship game, was going to be played at the Polo Grounds, the all-famous Polo Grounds. I have to do a show on these these uh, these fields, and that's that's going to require video. So I might have to start you know, like the dust off the YouTube for this. But December 9th, 1934, uh, they were going to be playing at the pro, uh, the Polo Grounds in New York City. Now, the, the day before, on the 8th, there was a freezing rain. All right? The rain throughout the week, and it had been raining for days. And it pretty much, uh, according to George Hallis, had made that field a lake. Okay? And there was a nor'easter that came through. And it dropped the temperature, especially going into the game day, down to as low as nine degrees. Okay, nine degrees. Uh, and then game day, it ended up climbing to 16. But you had a frozen field. Frozen field that pretty much, it was described by multiple sources as being on a skating rink. All right. George Hallis, he brought in a team that was loaded with all pros. He had guys that were and i actually have the rosters here um from that 34 team you, you know you had keith molesworth and bronco nagurski some of these guys that played the year before link lyman um billy carr uh and joe copter he's still there and so is bill hewitt and betty feathers red grange was in his eighth year and that was going to be it uh, i don't think he even played in the game but 19 uh the 34 giants they had guys like Ray Flatterty. You know, he went to the Hall of Fame as a head coach, right? Mel Hine was still around. Also, Harry Newman, uh, Dale Burnett, Ike Furman, excuse me, Franklin, and Ed Donowski was the halfback slash quarterback. Um, Ken Strong. So, you know, they had a pretty good team um, heading into uh, that game. And they were coached by Steve Owen. So, Ray Flatterty. He comes, uh, and it's to be noted also, just regular season-wise, that two of the Giants' five losses were to the Chicago Bears. The first time they lost in Chicago 27-7, to but they actually, I, I didn't notice, I think they were up 9 to nothing in New York against the Bears, and the Bears scored the last 10 points. And then that was it. I think it was a game-winning field goal that finished them off. Uh, so very, very interesting game. Going in, and they were favored. The Bears were favored, clearly. Now, according to one of my favorite books, The Sporting News, Complete Super Bowl Book, and I'm going to quote Prior to the game, Ray Flaherty, an all pro end, was standing on the field with Giants coach Steve Owen. He kicked at the frozen turf and it, it didn't even scratch it. Steve, he said to the coach, This may not matter, but we played on a field like this once in college and we found we got better traction with basketball shoes not cleats end quote so flatterty had played at gonzaga in washington state so they got to experience a little bit of this kind of weather you know in that uh that northwest northwestern part of the united states right so according to the owner wellington mara it was sunday and stores were closed but they had a ram in the bush <laughs> bible wise if you know your bible at a nearby college so this college was Manhattan College. Okay, so you have two guys that were really, really, uh, they, they were kind of their saviors. Okay, so apparently, and there are multiple accounts to this story. Okay, I'm going to tell you those multiple versions and the details, uh, they kind of vary. All right, stick with me. Okay, 
So Owen, uh, th now the game was, uh, and this is from the first account, okay? It was 10-3 at half, okay? By the time third quarter rolls around, the Bears, they kick a field goal. They're up 13-3. Now, apparently, Steve Owen had mentioned to his team trainer, his name was Gus Mox, and I hopefully I'm saying this guy's name right. He actually was known for being the trainer for the New York Yankees for years. Okay, and Mock, he tells, he calls a friend. He, he mentions this tennis shoe thing to Gus Mock. He had calls a friend at Manhattan College. They have a tailor who was actually the tailor for the men's basketball team at Manhattan College by the name of Abe Cohen. And they send this clubhouse attendant to the school. And some people say, it was by subway others i've read it was like a 30 minute taxi ride okay supposedly this happened at the half supposedly okay now after the field goal they're down 13 to 3 cohen returns shoes in his arms the pockets of his coat and sacks nine pairs of sneakers and another place i'm hearing as well as reading 12 but they were given to the receivers and the backs at halftime why because you're playing on the ice rink and everybody was slipping. They were slipping during pregame warmups. This is two hours before the game. They were slipping during the game and there was just no traction. And keep this also in mind. I also heard, I believe, uh, Ken Strong himself say in the 1964 documentary that uh, some of those cleats, they either wore down or they actually broke off. They went down to the nubs very quickly because of that ice that they were trying to run on on that ground in this beat up muddy iced over field okay so this is part of the reason why they, obviously as the game is wearing on the shoes are getting worse and worse so when they get these shoes there's a timeout called by steve owen the receivers in the backs were the ones who he wanted to have these shoes put on their feet take the cleats off put on the basketball shoes the sneakers okay so uh strong says that you know they, they tried they were scrambling trying to find the ones that fit them and the one there were some that were too big and so it's like yeah you know forget it they just taped them to their to their feet you know taped around their ankles so they would stay on 10 minutes left to go in the game and then uh new york giants quarterback eddie danowski he throws a touchdown 28 yard touchdown pass to ike franklin Ken Strong running back. He runs for a 42-yard touchdown run. And it's 17 to nothing. I mean, excuse me, 17-10, a Giants lead. And then Strong again, another 11-yard run during a drive. And then Danowski has a nine-yard run. And they have a 30-13 win for their first ever NFL championship in the New York Giants history of a franchise, of being a franchise. 27 points in 10 minutes. 27 points. And they did it wearing basketball shoes a part of me still kind of finds it hard to believe but just think about this if you're if you've ever played football and you've left the locker room you got to walk on like regular kind of slippery floor or linoleum or whatever and you got to walk a certain way in order not to fall in your butt just imagine playing football on that and then you got sneakers instead i'm still trying to wrap my hand around my head around walking on ice with basketball shoes now this i don't believe it was like i all the way ice to where it was just like a literal ice rink but it was pretty much close to it that's the way that they described it 
but they was able to watch. I've seen the footage, and it, it's it just it's just weird to look at. <laughs> They're running with the football um, in that fashion. So just to put a bow on this, so even at the half, apparently there was players that were reluctant to even want to put them on. Ken Strong was the first one to lace them up. Bears coach George Hallis sees this. What's the first thing he says? Step on their toes. <laughs> I never thought about that. I never thought about that. Step on their toes. They're wearing, they're, look, they're not tennis shoes like you wear now. I have no proof of this, but I believe they were Chuck Taylors. That's the only shoe I could think of. PF Flyers, according to you know, you know history, they didn't come out until 1937. This is 1934, and Chuck Taylor's dropped in the 20 in the 1970 around 1917 or something like that, going into the 1920s or something like that. They were already out. They had to be. I, I googled Manhattan College men's basketball. They have on Chuck Taylor's. They have on Chuck Taylor's. Yes, they have on Chuck Taylor's. So they, they have to be wearing those cloth shoes. And I know some of you out there because those shoes are still worn today. I got like five pair, four or five pair myself. And uh, you, you don't want anybody to step on your shoe with regular shoes, let alone cleats. Now, there's a little bit of a wrench thrown into the story, depending on what you choose to believe. According to both History.com via ProFootballHallOfFame.com, it is said that the story wasn't completely accurate, okay? So, and I, I, I made sure I read multiple sources on this because there was some stuff that I wanted to know for myself, all right? So, now, yes, Abe Cohen worked at Manhattan College, but the trainer, Gus Mock, also worked there as well. So, apparently, he arranged, and I quote, a loan of shoes and Cohen had the shoes ready and waiting in the Giants locker room, if not by the start of the game, soon thereafter. Now, I kind of wonder about that. So if Ray Flaherty is saying, look, it works better for us to wear these shoes, you know, if we be able to play better in sneakers instead of playing in our cleats on this ice, why not play the whole game in them? Was it because... You know, the coach didn't trust it. Did Steve Owen not trust it? Or did they want to see what they could do in their cleats first? I don't know. And then there's then there's this. Um, so, not to lose my place, but... <laughs> so, this is what I actually believe, and it actually makes a lot of sense. This is in Jeff Davis's book, Papa Bear, The Life and Legacy of George Hallis. After Owen mentioned Flaherty's comments about the shoes to Gus Mach, Mach, that's when he made a call to Manhattan College School Watchmen, uh, and he let them know that Abe Cohen was on his way to grab some sneakers. So Cohen actually ended up with a large gunny sack in order to pick up as many basketball shoes that he could carry. And just before kickoff, Cohen had caught the subway for an 85 block ride to Riverdale in the Bronx, north of Manhattan Island, end quote, okay? Cohen got to Manhattan College late in the first half. So you have to account for weather as well as time. It wasn't just icy on the field, okay? I don't know that they, they build stuff that they're built to 
to be able to travel still in a city like New York because of that weather. And I'm sure that took some time. So I don't think he had those shoes there right at the start of the game. I don't believe that, right? Just think about it. This was such a good idea. How come they didn't put the shoes on early? Like I just said earlier, the shoes weren't there yet. They didn't get those shoes on until the fourth quarter with 10 minutes left to go in the game. That right there is across everything that I've read. But wait, there's more. This game should have been 24 to three at halftime. Missed opportunities by the Bears. Bronco Nagurski recovered a fumble at the New York six yard line. He returned it for a touchdown, but a teammate was offside. No touchdown. Fullback and kicker Jack Manders, he missed two field goals, two gimmies. And on top of that, Nagurski had another touchdown negated by a holding penalty. That figures. 10 minutes left, fourth quarter. Cohen shows up with his bag of shoes. Steve Owen calls a timeout. They scramble through the shoes on the sideline. Let me get this. And, then, and, they, and they go. The route was on. After the game was over and Cohen had to return the sneakers back to the man that had got his locker room. To this day, that 1934 NFL Championship game is forever known as the sneakers game. Yes, that was the sneakers game, ladies and gentlemen. The craziest part is what happened going into the next season. It actually was the next week. I didn't know this. Teams played exhibition games after the season was gone, after the season was over. And Wellington Mara said that he and Coach Owen, they traveled to Philadelphia to watch an ex exhibition game with the Bears. The Bears actually went on an exhibition run of games after that. They were 13-0. They were the best team in football. Even though they lost to the Giants in the championship game, the game that mattered, they went and watched some of those exhibition games that the games played, that the Bears played. The game that they went to in Philly was played on another frozen field. And guess what was on top of the lockers? 22 pairs of basketball shoes in boxes. I guess Hallison and his Bears learned a very valuable lesson that day anybody played nba jam y'all remember that you get hot and you know they're dunking the ball left and right is it the shoes in this case yes that's it references thanks to espn.com profootballreference.com profootballhalloffame.com goldenrankings.com that's a pretty good website i found nfl championship games also the new york times this one titled New York area weather has a history with the Super Bowl. This written by Dave Anderson, January 25th, 2014. Also, history.com. New York Giants beat Chicago Bears in the sneakers game. Gainesville Sun newspaper. Sneakers game is the most famous episode in Bears-Giants rivalry. This one written January 5th, 1986 by Tom Canavan. Also, three of my favorite books. The last one is becoming one of my favorites. My favorite, though, America's Game, the NFL at 100. Jerry Rice and Randy O. Williams, they co-wrote that. Also, the Sporting News, Complete Super Bowl Book, 1993 edition. Editors, Time Diner, excuse me, Time, Tom Dinard, Joe Hopple, and Dave Sloan. Also, Papa Bear, The Life and Legacy of George Hallis. That book is written by Jeff Davis. This has been the Behind the Mic Podcast presented by Bailey Up Sports. I'm your host, Michael Neal Jr. Also, the Bailey Up Sports Podcast Network. Go to the website, bellyupsports.com. Read those articles. Click on it. You can catch us on Spreaker. That's our home base. Spreaker, S-P. 
R-E-A-K-E-R. Also, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Tell all your friends and family about this show. And if you don't listen to my show, or go to BillyOfSports.com. I'm going to find your house. I'm out. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.